Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. This is it. The After the long grind, uh, it's now time to take a break, go into hibernation for the winter. Uh, it's time for rest, time to turn off, uh, get rid of fan tracks, unless you're playing fantasy hockey like I am. Maybe you can, maybe you can dedicate all this newfound free time to uh, fantasy football, maybe find a hobby, but it, we are now officially finished with the fantasy baseball season. Not for us, not quite. We have one more podcast to record. And I have two people on to help me through this final this curtain call for the fantasy baseball season. Jerwin is back. Uh, welcome, Jerwin. Podcast MVP. <laughs> and joining us, as promised, our repeat league champion, the reigning defending Low Expectations League champion, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks, Jake. It seems like this league is just destined for two, you know, back-to-back winning years. Well, I guess did you when you won it, did you win back-to-back years or was Courtney in between there? Uh, Courtney was in between there. I am the uh, one on the trophy to not have the back-to-back years. Gotcha. I should have known that trophy's been here for a little while. Yes, I do not have the back-to-back, but congratulations, Nick. Very well-deserved. I do have a question, though. Yep, shoot it. Between this team, Freedom All-Stars, and your last team, Pine Run Market, which one, like, which, I guess, which victory felt sweeter this year or the previous year? The previous year. It was the first time uh, winning a league and first time playing fantasy baseball. It definitely feels very satisfying winning, but specifically comparing the two teams in this league last year felt a little bit sweeter. A follow-up to that. If Pine Run Market and Freedom All-Stars were to play each other <laughs> one-week matchup, which team would win? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm going to go with the original, Pine Run Market, baby. That's my first little, little league team. Yeah, well, you have officially bucked the trend of not switching your team name after a victory and having that not come back to bite you. But we will move on to our first item, which is our prior week recap. But really, this is going to be the, I guess you could call it the prior season recap because I didn't, I wasn't going to limit it just to this previous week. So we're going to go with our big takeaways from this year. Um, this could be the from the championship or from the year as a whole. So, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. Give me your first big takeaway. Uh, my first big takeaway had to do with the championship. Jordan's team was on a really hot streak. Uh, I'm not even sure if it started before the playoffs, but once the playoffs started, his team definitely each round up until the championship was, I believe, doing the best across the board first round to the semifinals and so forth. But hot streaks, my, my takeaway is hot streaks don't last. Consistency does. Not to take anything away from Jordan and his great research and everything he did to get his team in the position that, that it did. Um, but my team just from the beginning of the season was consistently one of the best um, and arguably the best all year, having been a, t- a top of the standings. 
throughout a vast majority of the season and then winning it all in the playoffs and the championship. So that was my simple one line. Hot streaks don't last, but consistency does. Carolyn, give me your first big takeaway. Uh, yeah, mine's uh, similar, but a, a different direction, I think, too, because um, for, for mine, the big takeaway is it's the little things. Uh, as we discussed on last week's podcast, um, Sam kind of potentially managed his way out of a win against Nick. Um, and had he not done that, even if Jordan had like an amazing amazing week like he's or amazing two weeks like he had been previously i think sam would have probably blown him out of the water after he scores 733.6 points in the the bronze medal matchup um but yeah to nick's point like it is the consistency that matters and nick was stronger in the semifinals and sam kind of faltered but Sam had his his big week at the wrong time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can look back at like the full season, not just the playoffs, like a bunch of teams missed the playoffs by one or two games. I know like early in the season, I was tracking like had I made one roster move, I would have won. I think I was up to like four games like early in the year. So that, that kind of stuff adds up. But, Why don't uh, you do that to yourself? Yeah, I quit after like after it got to four wins. I was like, this is not healthy. But yeah, it, it is the little things. Um, and that's, that's the game of fantasy for you. My first big takeaway is, I guess, the playoffs as a whole is, um, I don't know what they're teaching over there, but it seems like Nate's defense for his team is really bad because he – had the most points against total and per game in our playoff history. It, it just like, I don't know the other teams, maybe they got up to play Nate and it's not even that he had the second highest score, I believe. Well, I guess it wasn't twice, but it might've been, um, it was, it was the, in the semifinals, but he scored well each round. It's just the last two rounds he came up against a team that just absolutely crushed it top to bottom for two weeks. And now he has the, a, a new record. But I do think that old, that has to even out at some point you would think. But another thing about that third place matchup, that is now the highest scoring playoff matchup in league history. Dang. Sam absolutely went off. He, that is the second highest total in a playoff matchup ever. Uh, granted that was this was a longer one than we've ever had. I would have believe it being 17 days as opposed to the normal 14, but still very impressive. He still put up 733.6 points. Nate also had a very good 629.7 points. So I just did, I did want to highlight that matchup as being extremely high scoring, the highest we've ever had. And uh, I do think that Nate's luck will even out at some point. It's got it, right? To you for your second takeaway. Are you talking to me or Jerwin? I missed that. I was talking over you, Jake. Sorry. Nick, we'll go to you. Okay. Uh, I had two, one about the bullpen and a bonus one. Uh, 
my, I think I added this in the championship preview, my second takeaway, I guess, for this season. And I analyze, you know, a lot of times as fantasy managers, fan, uh, managers, we're really paying attention to our own team a lot, a lot more than others. So I saw this year, one big thing that helped my team was paying attention to the bullpen early on in the season. And my takeaway is the bullpen matters. And so I just was scrolling back through different matchups from the playoffs back to August. And I stopped there uh, comparing my bullpen to my opponent's bullpen. And there was only one matchup amidst all those matchups from playoffs back to August 1st, where my bullpen was outperformed by the opposing team. And that was, I believe, one of maybe two losses I took during that time. And it happened to be against Nate, where his uh, bullpen staff, you know, with Nestor Cortez and Spencer Strider outperformed mine. And so that was a takeaway of mine that paying attention to the bullpen, which I didn't really think about much coming into the year last year. I think it can pay off, uh, you know, in big ways, whether you're targeting top relievers, your traditional closers, or you're trying to hit on a spark or two. Or you do a little combination of that. Um, but that that was one takeaway I had kind of from the season and just anal analyzing my own team's success and how that played a factor in. Uh, I do have a bonus one, but I'll save it. Okay, yeah, that I'm going to go ahead because that was actually my other takeaway was how much of an advantage that your bullpen gave you. And then you cited what I was going to say anyways. Like you were, your bullpen was a consistent advantage for you week out. And I think that had a lot to do with your success. And you also did not have a top of the line spark reinforcing that those were all true relievers that were just very good pitching all the time and getting over six points every time. Really, I think that I'm kind of wondering if that'll become sort of a newer strategy. Um, Maybe we've been undervaluing these bullpen arms because when you have a super bullpen like you had all year, uh, that can provide a massive advantage uh, basically every single week over your opponent. I guess in a way for to liken it to fantasy football, maybe it's like having an elite tight end. Because um, I know that the tight end is a similar position where we look at it and it's kind of like you have a top guy or you sort of ignore it. And uh, I think that your, your bullpen was the Travis Kelsey of bullpens where it, uh, it gave you a lot of points every single week and really no other team was able to match that. So I think that paying attention to that more next year, um, and even being really aggressive with it on the waivers, because I know that that's another thing you said. I think. Oh. Yeah, I did pick up Ryan Helsley off of waivers. Yeah, that's, yeah. So you, you really put an emphasis on building a very strong bullpen, and I think it paid off handsomely here. So I'm interested to see if we maybe have some copycats uh, next year with that, trying that strategy. Uh, Jerwin, can you give us your second takeaway? I'm going to, I'm going to pivot here to talk about the, the bullpen stuff. Cause uh, it is an interesting thing. First of all, I remember you picking up Ryan Helsley because I checked that morning and he was already gone. So good job sniping me for him. Uh, but um, yeah, I think, I think the key is bullpen is, is is hard because it's not so much about going out and getting the best guys it's about getting value which is not you can't really control like you gotta you gotta hit on on guys who are going later in the draft like i mean just looking at your bullpen you've got 
Class A. I can't remember who all you drafted, Nick. I drafted Edwin Diaz and Jordan Romano. I traded okay. for Class A with Scott, and then I picked up Helsley off of waivers. Okay, yeah. So, like, I mean, you didn't go after, you know, Josh Hader uh, really early, or I think Liam Hendricks was another one um, around draft time that was going really high in drafts. Like, but the picks that you made hit and got really good value for where you took them. And then, you know, like you said, getting trades and finding there, there are some, uh, there are some gems at reliever on the waiver wire early in the season. So it's, it's not, it's not as easy as, Oh, I'll just draft the top relievers in, in the, um, in the draft and then I won't have to worry about it all year. You really do have to work at it. That's definitely a fair point. Cause you, it, it's not, I guess it isn't as simple as maybe we were saying um, it's not just about spending draft capital. Cause really a closer is uh, so volatile that, you know, you can find those guys like Helsley on waivers because I mean, we didn't even think that Helsley would be a, fantasy relevant reliever, let alone a top closer. Uh, we assume, I'm assuming everybody thought that Gallegos was going to be the closer there. And, and that just didn't happen. That kind of turnover does happen at reliever. So I think it, I think it really is kind of, maybe it is managed. Maybe it is kind of a, um, I don't know, maybe a parody of fantasy baseball itself where there is, there is a kind of some luck involved with bullpen management, but um, I do agree. I think, maybe the biggest thing is being aggressive on waivers, especially early in the season. Um, Nick, if you want to give us your bonus takeaway, or is it, oh no, sorry, Jerwin, you never gave us your actual takeaway. How about you give it to us now? Uh, that, that was, I, I pivoted. That's my takeaway <laughs> is bullpen now. Okay then, Nick, give us your bonus. So I have to take time to enjoy this moment because I don't believe it's going to ever happen again. Uh, I play in three fantasy baseball leagues. There's this league, of course, and then us three and uh, some others in this league also play in Nate's BPW Dynasty League. And then Nate also started another Dynasty League, a startup year this past year. And this year I, I won all three leagues. You know, I won this league beating Jordan by end up being 177 points. And we know the layout of this being a keeper, 12 team. And then we had uh, the championship matchup, you know, you two versus Eddie and I in the championship. And that's a 14 team dynasty league where, you know, our team finished at the top, the top of the standings at the end of the regular season and then end up winning it all. And then uh, Nate's other dynasty league, he started up as a 16 team dynasty that started up off of a discord um, SP streamer and the folks uh, just a bunch of kind of folks on there along with myself, Nate and Mike, I believe will be the ones that you guys would know. And it was in year one of it startup. And I won that league as well. And I say that cause you know, it is a, you know, a little bit tooting my own horn, but I'm just really going to enjoy it because I really don't think, uh, or anticipate that, that, you know, you're like this ever happening again. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been a very enjoyable fantasy baseball year and I, and I, it was a lot of work and I actually I miss it fantasy football is not the same fantasy baseball is much more enjoyable to me yeah those years that's that seems like a once in a lifetime year where you just win basically every league that you're playing in sometimes it just all comes together like that though do you um 
I don't, I guess I probably couldn't check this myself, but do you have many similar players across those? I think there was only one player. And honestly, I can't remember who it was that I had across all three leagues. I know we were just talking about Ryan Helsley. I had him in two of the three. Um, I would have to look. I had Aaron Nola in two of the three. You guys have him in BPW. Um, but yeah, there was only one. And they weren't like huge X factors. Matt Chapman, I, ha- I have in two of the three, and I didn't start him. Uh, but yeah, not a crazy amount that you would have guessed or that you would have thought of as far as having a lot of players across the same team or on the same team across the three leagues. Well, congratulations again for winning the bat, winning, and eventually you're going to feel the sting of the playoff loss, I would think, but I mean, has it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> All right, we're going to move to what will probably be the best part of the podcast, where we now review the hot takes made by Jerwin in the infamous chaos episode. Jerwin, I hope you're ready to uh, face what you've what you've predicted. Um, you can take your victory laps and uh, just taste the sting of defeat, but are you ready to read them off and face whatever happens after you do? You know, I, I, it's, you got to man up sometimes and you got to, you got to face the music and other phrases that mean just doing it. Uh, yeah. So here we go. Take number one was my Nick and Nate take. I said that uh, roles would reverse from the previous year and Nick would exit the playoffs early and Nate would win the championship basically the exact opposite of what happened only thing that could have made this take worse is if nate lost in the first round so instead of the the semifinals so uh yeah that one we're off to we're off to a good start so far i'm gonna say oh for one (laughs) uh number two this one's better uh my take was that uh, Jordan would uh, run into injury issues, which would result in a semifinals loss to Nate. He did not, he didn't win the championship or anything, but he did not lose in the semifinals, nor was it to Nate. He actually beat Nate. So I, this is definitely a, a full loss as well. I mean, it's worse too, because Jordan was basically the healthiest team throughout the entire playoffs. Oof, yeah. Wow. Oh, for I two. Mean, Maybe maybe I gave him some like good luck to to make it to second. Anyways, um, this one Sam uh, favorite to win at the start of the draft. I only I only like read through beforehand the like the first two, so I'll I'll just read them out because they were they were artistic. Uh, he was about middle of the road as a top team midway through the year, I said, I believe Sam has us right where he wants us. While we overlook his team right now, the haters will be shocked to find him in the championship opposite Nate for a throwing finish to the season. He did not make it to the championship, but he did play Nate in the final weeks of the season. Nick, do we award a half point for that? You got to give him something. Throw him a bone. Half point. <laughs> half point. I think some of the uh, some of these hit. I, I don't think I went over, but you I'll take the half. Go over. You're half for three right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take the half. 
man, after after last year going over 500, that was this is this is a bit of a downer. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, take number four was Courtney has a reputation for uh, low trade numbers, but this year to solidify her pot spot in the playoffs and championship conversation, she will land the blockbuster of the season by the deadline, giving her quality over quantity in the trade department. She did trade away Frankie Montas. I don't think that counts as a, as a blockbuster, especially given the aftermath of both that trade and the one that happened in real life. What about the uh, Kyle Gibson for Jorge Polanco trade? That's a blockbuster. That's a banger. I mean, I love me some Kyle Gibson, but, you know. Probably not quite enough to get a point on that one. I, I, I accept. I accept. Uh, Jake, uh, take number five. Jake has been a powerhouse in the league for a long time, but this is the season the wheels fall off. His buying moves have disappointed thus far and will continue to do so. Uh, he will end the season fighting for a wild card spot and have a disappointing first round exit for the second season in a row. His championship window is already closed and trying to pry it back open with the trade crowbar will only make it hurt worse when it slams down on his fantasy fingers. Guess we could give you this because this did happen. But you did not say that it was because of Matt Manning. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got the reason wrong, but the correct form would be Jake was stupid and started a guy he had just picked up off of waivers that week. Like Yeah, you gotta mention Matt Manning. <laughs> yeah. The the thing is predictions are not meant to be exact. They're meant to be vague and ambiguous and make you think that they're right. So I would like to take a point on this one. I, I think that you do get it. You should get a point on this one because you nailed the first round exit. It's just nobody thought that I would be that dumb to start. <laughs> so like, why would you have predicted that? It's like, why would you predict, I don't know, Terrence, it, like, so it's like predicting Terrence Gore would win the home run derby. Like that's just a stupid bet. Nobody would have accounted for why would you be this stupid and start Batman? Yeah, apparently I did. So, all right. One, cool one and a half for five. Uh, number six, JC is the favorite to finish fourth place. Uh, he did not make the playoffs. And, uh, I also said uh, he will finish fourth place and get the first overall pick. Uh, he will capitalize on the opportunity and be first place in the league by this time next year. I guess half of this has has some uh, breathing room on it, but well, I mean, we'll I find out by could, the end of the episode if he has the first overall pick. That's true. I guess he he could still he could still wind up with first pick. But yeah, that part's not definitely for me. <laughs> definitely pick again. Yeah, that's true. Definitely, uh, definitely lower on the total. Uh, seven, Eddie will not win this wild card race F and will in fact be a seller at the deadline. I think he was a seller at the deadline though, even though he did make the playoffs in the end. Yeah, he was a seller at the deadline. However, he did win the wild card. Race. 
oh, but you know what this, I, at the very end of this, I, I say, I will be taking a loss on my prediction from last year, but I can only report the facts moving forward, which means I have another half point from my predictions last year because Eddie made the playoffs. You love that. You love to see it. I think a I'm year, like, a full year later. You just go back. Six and a half. Six and a half points from last year. I mean, you're asking me like I remember. I, don't <laughs> I remember exactly. They were so good. I remember I, I remember all of them. Anyways, don't ask me to recite them all right now. Uh, take number eight. Take number eight. Brendan has a bunch of high-profile keepers currently on his roster. Most notable is Joe Musgrove, who was rated as a top five keeper on this very podcast. However... Drafted in the same round this year by Brendan himself is Adley Rutschman, who seems to be figuring things out of late. I say Rutschman continues to shine and by the end of season is clearly a better option from the 13th round over Joe. Now, I know we've said that Brendan has said he's considered only keeping four so that he can keep both Joe and Rutschman. But the question here is... If you had to choose between one, is Adley Rutschman the clear choice? And I have my opinion. I would take Adley. But in order for it to be clear, I think we might we might have to get some input from you guys and perhaps ask folks in the group message to be a final decider on this. Because I, I think it needs to be crystal. I don't know if he's a clear choice. He would probably be my choice, but I really liked watching Joe Musgrove pitch the other night with those slick ears. So I'd be considering keeping him. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's crystal clear. But I think I'm with Nick that I would also take Adley. Can we if if the majority of the league votes for Adley, can I get a win on this? As the podcast host, I'll allow it. Okay. We'll send what did you it guys to think league. about Musgrove's ears the other night? They looked strange, but that was a Bush League move by Show Walter to ask to have that investigated. Did it, you see McCutcheon's tweet about it? I did. That seems very odd. Like, but I, that's the kind of weird ritual that I could see Joe Musgrove doing. All right. I'll stop taking us down a rabbit hole. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick can uh, can rule on this next one. Uh, take number nine. My team is a playoff team and a giant slayer. That giant is Nick. Nick, how'd I do? Well, I think you missed. <laughs> I reminded you of that before. <laughs> yeah. Missed it by that much. Just, just, you know, a game of inches, like I said before, you know. Uh, take number 10. Uh, Mike has had enough. Oh boy. Uh, after being dragged for the CJ Abrams trade and the GM, he will be changing his ways moving forward and will land within the old trade limit five total next season before deadline day. Uh, this will also result in a return to the playoffs for his team next year. Um, this one is interesting. I think he had. Oh, more than five trades between my saying this and this year's deadline. So it definitely didn't happen, but I did specify next season. So maybe, 
maybe I could get like a half a point or something if if it actually he doesn't trade that off from next season. It's still it's still the spiciest take on here. I know that, but anyways, it's by far the spiciest take. And honestly, Mike probably surpassed the amount of trades that you were predicting he'd be under by the time that you finished making that prediction. So I I have no faith in you getting a point from that one. All right. Well, you got to you got to take big shots, you know. Take number 11, the final one. Scott has had a much debated approach to keepers. I for one am not a fan of gathering unproven prospects as keepers in this league currently producing options. Uh, when uh, currently producing options are still out there. But next year, Scott will prove us all fools by sticking to his young guns and seeing his future stars become real-time contributors contributors on his way to his first playoff performance. This one's obviously not going to happen until next year, but, you know, it. Uh, things looking uh, looking pretty bright, not going to lie. I mean, if Scott can channel his inner fantasy football manager, like we're all in trouble. So for <laughs> who let's hope that are, doesn't happen. Yeah. If for those of you that are in any football leagues with Scott, like, you know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, if he, if he is able to channel that into baseball, like we're just all screwed. So Jerry, what's the final tally for your, for your hot takes? Oh goodness. I, was I even keeping track? I think. Was it like two and a half out of, out of 10? One or two and a half out of eleven, pending, pending uh, whether or not the league thinks that Adley is the clear choice over Joe Musgrove. Okay, so not so not quite as good as last year, but you can at least take comfort in the fact that you did not predict somewhere where you were being recorded that Joey Votto would hit twenty home runs and then another twenty home runs after that. So you at least have that going for you. That's true. That that's up there with the mic take. That that I don't I I mean at least I hope not. I hope I will never make a take that is that terrible or that off base like ever again. Because I don't I it would be amazing if I was able to somehow top that. I mean that's that's three whole trades and then only two more trades. I was was talking about the Joey Votto take. It's like that was just brutality. I know, but it, it's the same thing. I'm just I'm just saying. All right, so that was Jerwin's hot takes. We're going to move on now to our divisions for next year. Uh, as everybody knows, these are based on the previous year's standings. So I'm going to now read off our divisions for next year, and uh, then we'll give some we'll give some thoughts on them. So. Our East division is going to be Nick, Nate, me, Eddie, JC, and Mike. And the West division will be Jordan, Sam, Courtney, Brendan, Jerwin, and Scott. So I'm going to ask you guys for your thoughts. My initial thought on this is, this sure looks like what we saw this year where the East division was just a, just a meat grinder. Um, am I off base to say that this will be the sequel to that, where it's going to be beast Two: return of the beast next year. I like that. I would agree. I mean, four of the six titles between the six years, 
that the league has been going, um, you know, residing east with your, yourself and, uh, and me, Jake. And then there's Nate, the year after year powerhouse contender. And Mike, you never know what he's going to do. You know, he can manage his way to a championship appearance like he did a few years ago, uh, or he can finish bottom of the league like he did this year. You never know what he's going to bring uh, to his division. And then, uh, you know, I think Eddie's starting to figure things out. You know, he made his first playoff appearance, and then JC is usually a playoff contender or a playoff threat year after year, uh, other than this year. Uh, did I miss anybody? No, that's that's yeah. That's I mean, that's yeah. That's all. That's all solid, six. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid division for sure. Jerwin, are we being disrespectful to your division, the West? Oh, well, I'm just I'm gonna go ahead and use this as a segue because I think yes, I think the West. My thoughts is yes, the East looks scary. Nick, Nate, and Jake at the top of the at the top of the list here like that's that's going to be a tough top three to break into to make make it to the playoffs without being a wild card team the west aside from courtney although you could make an argument i think the west is the chip on the shoulder underdog division i feel like we've all got something to prove yes courtney has won before but you know it's it's been uh, a slow slow decline for her i think over the last couple of years um so you know the east looks scary but the west has uh has some some grit to play with i think yeah i i get what you said about the i i can't get past i think the um i don't know the east just looks like it's going to be pretty tough and i i understand what you're saying about it looks like it's going to be really tough to break into that top three. And uh, I guess this is how challenging I would say that's going to be in the history of our league. And I know that Nick hasn't been around for the whole time, but in the history of the league, uh, there has only been one time where one of us has missed playoffs. Um, and only been, and that was the, and that's the only time when, I mean, kind of by default where we haven't finished top three in our respective divisions. So that is going to be a pretty tall task, I think, to break into the top three there, just if we're looking at, uh, I guess, like historical success. But it can certainly be done. Um, It's definitely not hopeless. The West is interesting, though, because uh, you have Sam and Jordan both there, and they kind of... I guess used all their ammo so to speak where they really don't they're not coming into next year with really any keepers um really to speak of at all i know courtney has a couple but it's not like she's going in with this monster keeper pool uh so that leaves the other three and that would be i think that i think the west division is going to be the most up in the air where i think the draft is going to have the most importance on where you guys finish with i guess that's probably true for anything anyways but I guess that's just how I see it. All right, so now we're going to move on to what would normally be our matchup preview, but alas, there are no matchups to preview. Uh, the fantasy baseball season is over, so there's really nothing for us to watch for, for our thing to watch for. But I did not want to leave this section empty. Uh, so for our matchup predictions, I would like us to instead predict 
for the fantasy or for the real baseball playoffs. Let's predict instead an, an American League and National League champion. Uh, Jerowin, let's start with you. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get wild with my takes. I'm gonna take uh, the Phillies uh, in the National League, and the Mariners are an AL League team, right? Yes, they are. They just got they uh, just had a walk off, uh, but they got walked off. I guess is the right way to put that. But- yeah, they'll be fine. Phillies Mariners. I take the Phillies because I saw a thing. Maybe it was in the group chat. I saw a thing that uh, the Phillies only win uh, championships right before an economic crisis and the economy's doing kind of iffy. So got to hedge my bets. At least if, at least if the economy tanks, I'll be right about the Phillies going to the world series. Man, I should stop the podcast right now to put my entire account balance on FanDuel on the Philippines <laughs> the World Series but with that uh, that kind of insight. I can't believe that they're – I mean, if you look at it, they're not even the favorites. So that's – like I'm, it, was, I'm, it was – they won in like 2008 or 2007, whichever, like the year before the like last big one, uh, 1929 – uh, and there was another one in like the 80s, I think that was like right before a recession. So, yeah, they they don't have the best track record or they have a really good track record, depending on if you're on the Phillies or literally everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm putting down I'm putting in the bet right now. <laughs> Nick, who, who do you have? Man, I would like to pick the Mariners. Uh, I don't think I can do it. And I was very vanilla with my picks. I picked the Astros and the Braves, despite the Braves losing today. They almost had a comeback, though. Yeah, I think the Braves and Astros would be my pick. I was going to pick the the Mariners, uh, you know, like great story. But, I mean, I guess maybe this is cheating, but I, I couldn't pick them after the game today. And I, I don't know why they did this. They brought <laughs> – Robbie Ray, first of all, they blew like a five-run lead for one thing. For another thing, they brought in Robbie Ray out of the bullpen to face Jordan Alvarez for some reason, I, I guess to try to get the left-on-left that they wanted. I can't even tell you the last time. that I guess Robbie Ray probably would have been, what, two years ago that he appeared last to appear out of the bullpen. But I think this is because they really don't have many left-handers on their uh, – on their postseason roster, their division series roster. I don't know. It just seemed like so dumb that I couldn't pick them to win. And that like just really soured my opinion on, on them throughout the playoff. Like you're going to, you're going to have your left-handed starter. It was, who was probably your game three pitcher, maybe even earlier than that. You're going to bring him in out of the bullpen because you couldn't put in another lefty option to face Jordan Alvarez. Like at that point, like I get the bases were loaded and but like seriously, like you didn't you you wouldn't you you were that committed to left on left to bring in to bring in your a starter rather than just a guy who actually pitches out of the bullpen. And I you know, this is the first time I've been paying attention to the playoffs like pretty deeply to every series. 
uh, in quite some time. And I don't like teams doing that, changing up how they manage their pitchers and their bullpen just because it's the playoffs. And so you think, well, putting my best guy out there makes the most sense. But you're changing up what they've been doing all season, the routine when they, you know, starters approaching their start. They have a whole routine throughout the day to get them mentally and physically prepared. They're not used to getting ready to go in the middle of the game or the end of the game in Robbie Ray's case to try to close it out. Uh, I just don't understand that. I don't, I don't like that. Like, why don't you just continue to use the methods that have brought you to where you, you know, where you, where you uh, got to in the playoffs? I don't, I don't understand it. That's yeah, I guess like the only the only pushback to that would be like the Nationals that basically won the World Series doing that um, back in 2019. They rode Corbin, Strasburg, and, and Scherzer hard, uh, and they had them coming out of the bullpen basically like in piggyback games almost every series. I don't know what the rest days are like. I don't know if there were more back then. I mean, I probably should have looked. I don't know if there are more now than there were then or what. But overall, I do agree though. I don't. I yeah. I mean, I understand that it can work, but baseball players seem to be, you know, a group that's very much, especially pitchers, about routine. Uh, and that's a big change of routine, uh, mentally and physically, of course. But yeah, I mean, stakes, I have to wonder, you have to wonder, too, if like, I guess like I'm maybe harping on this a little too much, but you have to wonder if that was discussed with Robbie Ray beforehand. Like, hey, we might need you out of the bullpen today, so maybe be ready. Like I have to wonder if maybe that was a panic move where they saw things kind of get like so they had blown the lead or they had almost blown the lead. Bases are loaded now. Uh, it wasn't like they were down by one run either. Actually, they were they were still winning by three um, at the time. Or I believe it was three at the time. Um, but I have to wonder if that's kind of that was like a panic move. Like maybe they burned a lefty earlier in the game and. They just didn't have another lefty to face Jordan Alvarez, who's probably the, the Astros' best hitter. I can't imagine that Alvarez's splits against lefties and righties are so bad, though, that it would have justified it justifies bringing in Robbie Ray. Like I can't imagine they didn't have anyone else they could have used. But Robbie Ray's a good pitcher. It's just, it's just like Nick said, like he's just, he's a starter. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's not even the starters coming out into the bullpen in relief to close out the games. I mean, seeing guys like Edwin Diaz coming in earlier in the game, like the sixth or seventh inning I saw in the one game, again, that's been completely uncharacteristic of the role he's served throughout the season and the situations he's come in for. Why make a big change to the role that they've been in and succeeding in and what's put your team in the success it has? Why do that? I just, again, I'm just adding to the tangent. I don't, I don't really understand that philosophy of changing your philosophy when it matters the most, you know? I, I got to agree with this. I've always hated watching teams like p- putting their closer in in non-save situations. Like either they're it, like when the game is tied, sometimes I get it. But like if you're losing, like it just feels like the closer like gives up more runs every time you do that. And like to, to your point, Jake, about the Nationals, like you just named Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer, like. Robbie Ray is not Steven Strasburg or Max Scherzer. Like the, when teams do that and it works, it's because like the pitchers are playing out of their minds. I think of like um, Madison Bumgarner in 2014. Like these are the exceptions, not the rule. Yeah. Not to add too much to this tangent that we've gone down, but I did do a, in college, I, I had to do a research assignment for it. I actually picked this topic 
where it was um, closers out of safe situations. And it wasn't actually, there was not really a significant difference between um, closers pitching outside of, outside of safe situations or, um, or in safe situations. So, I mean, like I'm of the opinion where I don't really think a closer should be locked into the ninth inning, but I mean, I get it. Like there's, I think there is something different about that ninth inning. It just seems like it changes the whole atmosphere, especially for like a big time closer, like Diaz this year and, and the whole story behind their trumpets and that, atmosphere the vibe that it brings out for their team i mean it does those trumpets don't really hit the same coming out in the seventh or the sixth inning you know you know it's just not bringing the same i don't know the same confidence to the rest of the team that we're about to do this it's like he comes out he serves his role for an inning it's like all right there's still a few more to go i don't know yeah Yeah, i mean i'll be i'll be done adding (laughs) to it yeah i I get that too i mean I, i see both sides of it i just I, we don't care about your facts, Jake. Get them out of here. <laughs> yeah, we won't. We won't dwell too much more. On, we won't dwell. Well, I shouldn't say too much more. We're just going to move on because coming up, we have everybody's favorite segment that I just had to get back into this episode, and that's the comeback o meter. You might be asking yourself, Jake, with no mashups, how can we possibly do the comeback o meter? Well, never fear, random person, because. I have I have changed the comeback meter and now we are doing the team additions for 2023. So we're defining this now by we're going to look at the teams that did not make the playoffs. We have four of them, we have Mike, Scott, Jerwin, and JC. And we're going to assign a number for their likelihood of making a comeback next year, which I which is going to be defined as making the playoffs. So as before, a one they have no shot, no chance. They will not make the playoffs. They will be in for a second straight year of woe. And a 10 on the other side, they will make the playoffs, arguably as a championship favorite. So that is the scales of the new comeback meter So we're going to start from the 12th position and go all the way up to number nine. So we're going to start with Mike. Uh, Jerowin, since you are the comeback-o-meter veteran, we'll let you start. What number would you give Mike on the comeback-o-meter? I am a bad co-host and didn't look at the teams before doing this. So I'm flying off the cuff here. I think Mike, Mike had some pretty good keepers going into next year. I think he holds on to that. Uh, I'm thinking of guys like uh, Austin Riley, who he gave literally nothing up for. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna give Mike a seven. Nick, what number would you give Mike on the comebackometer? I can see a seven. I gave him a lower number. Uh, thinking about one, he's in the East. And two, you know, Mike has the ability of putting together a good lineup, but he also has the same ability of tearing down a good lineup with the amount of trades he does. You know, I think he needs to put in practice of sitting on his team a little bit more uh, when, when doing fantasy, which I know for him is very hard to do. Um, it has paid off for him in big ways. You know, he was in the championship last year. 
but more often than not, you know, I play pretty much in every league I, I play in. I'm Mike's in the league and I just see him, you know, you know, hurt his own team more often than help his team, at least help his team in a big way to a championship. But right here, we're talking about just getting to the playoffs. I put a five, but I should probably go a little bit higher. I'll go right in the middle of uh, myself and Jerwin. I'll, I'll round it up into a six. Yeah, I think I'm going to go five because he is in in that East division. And I mean, from my perspective right now, just looking at, I mean, it is, it is hard to tell without a draft, but just looking at that, looking at the perceived top three, you're like, wow, that, that's going to be really challenging to break into that. So that leaves one of the two wildcard spots. It's definitely capable, but I mean, I think it would be easier for somebody in the other division to make the playoffs from where I'm standing right now. So I'll go a little bit lower. I'll go five. Uh, let's go to the 11th place team. That is Scott. Uh, Jerwin, what would you, what number do you give Scott on the comeback ometer? I'm going to give Scott. Hmm. I'm going to give him an eight. I have, I have more faith in him than I do with Mike. I think Scott's got a pretty good keeper pool and it remains to be seen if the, this mythical uh, fantasy football, Scott shows up to baseball. Um, I just, I would probably give him a nine, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen that, that side of him. I, I think he's one of the favorites to finish top three in in that division um given the keeper pool he has especially especially if he comes out swinging in the draft nick what number you give scott i gave him an eight as well i like his team i like the division uh, that he's in to help himself out i think scott's a pretty smart fantasy manager and i think it's only a matter of time before we see that success you know come into the baseball world so i gave him an eight i would even go higher to a to a nine i'm right there with you guys i gave him an eight as well uh, i think next year scott is going to make the playoffs um i know that we harped on his prospects but some of those guys really aren't prospects anymore um they did prove that they can be contributors and uh, he got a couple of good ones so and there he has all of his early picks as well so he's going to be able to add to that core that he's assembled so i think that he's going to be able to come with a pretty strong roster for next year uh, so let's go to the next one, who happens to be Jerwin. Uh, Jerwin, you're going to go last this time because it's you. Um, Nick, are you? what number are you giving Jerwin? Are you breaking his heart? Or <laughs> I'm not breaking his heart. Um, you're in the West, right, Jerwin? Correct. Yeah, so I think that's, that's already helpful, making the playoffs. And I think your pitching staff will come into the year strong especially with Cease, DeGrom, and Glass now. Um, and then you have a few other, you know, solid choices for keepers. I think that will position you well. Um, if you can add, you know, a few really solid picks in the draft, that will give you a really good foundation to go with that crew. So I, I gave you a seven. Just don't uh, pick Alberto Mondesi in the third. We, we live and we learn, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm right there with Nick here, but I even went a little higher. I am giving Jerwin a nine next year. I might just say it now because I am profit. Jerwin might come in second next year. 
Um, because that's, I guess that's how I predict. I can predict second place. Almost a full, uh, this might be my prediction then. I, I might make next year the, the year of Jerwin to uh, Jerwin's redemption tour. Um, the positivity will take the next step uh, after the, after the kind of the, the letdown this year. You're going to have a top three, like Nick said, that not a lot of people are going to be able to match. Um, really, nobody's going to be able to match with uh, Cease, DeGrom, Glass now healthy going, in, going into next year. Um, and I, I have it on good authority that you are going to do research over the offseason. And we will see for the first time positivity and research combined. What kind of will they yield a championship baby? I don't know. <laughs> But I'm predicting that it will happen. Jerwin, what number did you give yourself on the comeback meter? Well, being the guy of positivity, and before and before people get on me about being too high on my team on the podcast, this is my identity. If you don't want to, if you don't want to hear me hype up my boys, don't ask me questions on the podcast. All right, this is this is just how it's gonna go. Giving myself a ten, we're gonna win the division. We're going all the way, obviously. Um, but like in seriousness, I agree with your guys' points. I really like my keeper pool. And uh, I have indeed uh, already begun looking at some uh, early early 2023 stuff. So uh, if that trend continues, I, I might actually have a, a draft board that works for me. And actually, I should I should mention too. I had to draft on my phone this past year. I had everything set up to like be on my computer and stuff, but my I had just moved, and my Wi-Fi was out, so I had to be on data and on my phone. And then we had the whole draft. It was it was a mess this year. No no more repeats of this draft performance. It was a bad one. We're putting that behind us. Next year's the year. Ten out of ten. You know, before Sunday, I would have. I would have kind of gotten on you for like, uh, it's just an excuse drafting on your phone, but there is not, there might not be a worse experience than drafting on fan tracks on your phone. Truly terrible. It's awful. I had to do it for a fantasy hockey draft and it was, it was just awful. Like I could, I half the time I couldn't like the draft board was blank. I couldn't see players that were already picked. Uh, I kept disconnecting my, um, I, I got auto-picked while I was in the draft room somehow. Oof. Don't know how that happened. It was just a really bad overall experience. So I, I really do sympathize with everybody who has to who has to endure drafting on their phone on any platform, but especially fan tracks. Uh, so that brings us to our last non-playoff team of this year, and that was JC. Uh, Jerowin, we'll go back to you for this one. Um, what number did you give JC on the comeback of meter? I'm, I'm going to go a little lower than Mike on this one, actually, with the six. JC has consistently been a contender, but I'm going to I'm going to say, oh, wait, actually, now that I think about it and remember that I read my hot takes earlier this podcast, JC's I'm going to give him. Oh, they can't all be eights, can they? I'm going to give him a seven with Mike because I predicted JC to be number one in the league by uh, like june next year so maybe he maybe he collapses or something but i'm i'm both high and low on jc next year that's that's my take 
Nick, do you have a less confusing explanation? <laughs> your number? I think I have to be lower on JC. Um, I, you know, I, I gave him a six initially, but I dropped it down to a four just a moment ago, just looking at his keeper pool and then also realizing like both him and Mike, I don't foresee making the playoffs, both being in the East. You know, I think between the three of us of you, Nate, and myself, I believe there will at least be two of the three of us in the playoffs of that group. Uh, maybe one of them cracks it in as well, but not both of them. And uh, just looking over his current staff, his current team, JC's, I'm not as high on uh, what he's able to keep entering the year. So I gave him a four. Yeah, I think I'm landing closer to where Nick is. And that's, and I think I've said this before, JC kind of got screwed in a way that his top performers either slumped in the case of Bo Bichette or got hurt in the case of Walker Bueller. So when he did decide to sell, he didn't really have a whole lot to sell. And I mean, he did the best he could. You got Kyle Tucker, but that was about all he was able to do. So I'm not as high on his prospects for next year. Um, I think I would give him a four, but I, you know what? I'll bump it up to a five just because he's been pretty consistent in actually getting to the playoffs and making the playoffs. I think he's only missed once. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's missed twice, but he's, he's usually been a pretty consistent playoff performer. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a five, I think. So that, that's a wrap for this year on the comeback of meter. Every uh, please uh, do your best to contain your tears because this fan favorite segment is gone, but maybe we'll bring it back next year. We'll have to see, uh, but that move, we're going to move now to our news and notes uh, section. So our final league history fact of the year um, had to just give more praises to Aaron judge. Uh, he finished as the number one overall player, besting all pitchers. Um, he finished with 640.7 points, just barely missing the mark for the best hitter season in our league of all time. That mark belongs to Jose Ramirez in 2018, where he scored 641.7 points. So he missed it literally by less than one point. So sad for Aaron Judge, um, but happy for him at the same time because really one heck of a season for him. Um, and I know that I think in our league, maybe we never really thought our league punishes strikeouts more than your average league. So I think we always kind of thought of Aaron Judge as a guy where like he's going to be kind of pumped up in other people's rankings where for our league, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just how I thought about it. But I think he, we always saw him as a guy who is more of a roto guy somebody who um, could be didn't have this type of ceiling in him, but he really blew away all expectations this year. And I think he really proved that he should be a first round pick in our league and uh, really reached a whole new level this year. So good job, Aaron judge. Um, I, I know that Courtney is planning on keeping you to uh, as her first round pick next year. So we're going to move on to the news and notes section. Um, our first item has to do with the Mets um, and their total collapse on Sunday. They lost to the Padres 6-0 and ended their season. Uh, the collapse began before that when they blew what was at one point a 10.5 game lead over the Braves for the division, highlighted by a sweep at the hands of the Braves during the last weekend of the regular season. Now, this Mets team has the uh, might be might look very different next year 
than it does currently. Um, just to read off a couple of their impending free agents, just the big ones, Jacob deGrom, uh, Edwin Diaz, Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker, and one person, oh, and Carlos Carrasco, and another one that I didn't have on the itinerary, Brandon Nimmo, who was their leadoff hitter all year. Um, so just a simple question, did the Mets miss their, miss their best shot, or should we expect them to be back next year? I'll lead off. Uh, I don't have too much to add, but I don't think they missed their best shot. I mean, I think they still have the ability to contend and make it back into the playoffs and win some games and make a run. Uh, you should have given a warning to Eddie before he started this. You know, Trigger warning for Eddie. News. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think they, they could still make a run at things. Um, I'm not sure if they'll have all those same pieces back, but I think they'll figure it out. Jerwin, as a member of the Mets in your my player on the show, what is your diagnosis of their of their season? Um, yeah, I jumped ship on the show because they clearly bad management. It it all went wrong. Um, but anyways, as to the question, um, yeah, I for them to be as good at or better next year than they were this year they would at least have to get jacob Degrom and diaz back um and then i think at least one of these other arms or at least like replace them with a third arm um to me it just comes down to how much the owner is willing to spend i think didn't you say that they have like the richest owner in baseball so like it might be possible but it they'd have to shell out a lot to make it happen to actually be better next year. They do have the richest owner in baseball, like so much so that they had to implement another luxury tax level for him in anticipation of how much he would spend. Um, I mean, they definitely have the capability to bring all these guys back. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's tough to end for the Mets season. It, it was going so well. And then it, like all of a sudden, literally like the last week, this all happened within a week. They lost the division and were just done for the season. Just it collapsed. Honestly, if I'm DeGrom, I'm, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. He's been, their offense screwed him for like the first half of his career. And then injuries, their medical staff clearly bad. Uh, and now this just blowing a great division lead and then losing in the first round, just, Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Uh, DeGrom has to be a lifetime Met. Well, that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> the playoff format expanded the field from 10 teams to 12. Uh, the new format also got rid of the single elimination wildcard game, replacing it now with a best of three series. Um, now that we've seen how the first series has played out, um, do we like this? Uh, do we prefer the new playoff format over the old one? Um, I know in a pro league uh, expanded, like the expanded playoffs, I guess, like, are we for them or against them? I'm for them. Uh, and this is like I mentioned before, first time I'm really following the playoffs uh, in, a, in a long time, uh, but I have watched and tuned in. I get to appeal the wild card game, the one, 
single elimination game have drawn, you know, the average fan or somebody that doesn't really watch baseball in because it's like, okay, winner of tonight moves on the whole appeal to that. And that's actually why I would tune in in the past. But as a baseball fan, I don't think that's right. I would, I would hate for it to come down to one game after however many games they play too many for it to come down to one game and three, you know, best of three series isn't much more, but it's definitely better. And I'd rather see more teams in the playoffs to allow that to happen. So that's where I stand. I'm personally, I'm only for it if we can go back in time and give the 2015 Pirates a three-game series against the Cubs uh, because we need justice. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one, but I, I I actually agree with Nick where the um, I'm for expanded playoffs as long as uh, it means that we get more like baseball is a game. There's not there's no nothing in the regular season that really comes down to one game. So like, why are we suddenly switching that to the playoffs? Um, I get that a three game series isn't much better, but like it's still a series. You're it, it seems more. I guess representative to me than of a, of a regular team of a team's regular season than the playoffs where they'd have to totally change how they manage the game. I don't know. I'm more for like a series than just a single game, but I do get the appeal. So I'm for it. I know a lot of people aren't, but I think it's a good idea. Before they had the wild card, did they have every series in the playoffs, a five game series, and then it became a seven game series, like the beginning rounds, five games, and then turned into a seven. Yeah, so it used to only be 14. Like, there only used to be one wild card team. Um, I don't remember when the wild card game actually started. I think it was the early 2010s, I think. Maybe, no, maybe it was 2013 or 2012. I, you know what? I think it was 2012. Um, but in any event, before that, it was, only, it was only eight playoff teams, and there was only one wild card. Gotcha. And I'm still learning. Like, is this current uh, series that they're in right now in the division series, is it five-game series? Yeah, the divisional round has always been five games. And then the AL and NL championship becomes seven and then the World Series? Yes. Okay. Uh, the farce that is the All-Star game used to determine the home field for the, for the World Series. <laughs> I did rem- remember that. And even then, not following baseball closely, I thought that was totally stupid. Yeah, just as bizarre as that seemed, like that, there were real consequences for people playing like an exhibition baseball game where nobody really tried <laughs> Except for Max Scherzer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for Scherzer. He was the only one. Other than that, it was like Nelson Cruz taking selfies with the home plate umpire before he's at bat. Like, nonsense. <laughs> what was going on? But uh, all right. So we're going to go to the MLB awards. They're going to be announced soon. Um, I'm going to list off the favorites for each award and we'll just kind of regroup at the end here. And you can tell me if you uh, disagree with any of the consensus favorites. So for AL MVP, the favorite right now is Aaron Judge. For NL MVP, it is Paul Goldschmidt. AL Cy Young is Justin Verlander. NL Cy Young is Sandy Alcantara. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Julio Rodriguez. And National League Rookie of the Year is Michael Harris, second. Uh, do you guys disagree with any of these um, Any of these favorites? And by the way, I'm, I'm using the uh, FanDuel odds to determine who the favorite is here. I have a few discrepancies. I think, well, I don't have a discrepancy with Aaron Judge. I think that might be one of the more talked, of course, it's one of the most talked about between him and Shohei. And at first for the 
longest time, I thought Shohei was the most deserving of it. But when it comes down to who is helping their team win the most, it has to be judged because the Angels, one, don't win. And I don't believe the Yankees would be winning to the level that they are without Aaron Judge. So to me, I think it has to be Aaron Judge between those two. Just pointing out that, that one first, that award first. Yeah, I, I, watching the Yankees without Aaron Judge was like painful. Like they're, or they're, uh, I actually, I don't even know that he missed any games. I should say their offense, other than Aaron Judge, if you look, is just abysmal. And it was for that stretch where they were losing. So he, like, it could have been so much worse if he wasn't there. So I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Now, I didn't mean to cut off Jaron if you had any thoughts on that, um, but I was going to ask about Paul Goldschmidt. That just kind of seems out of place. I don't, I don't really know any other deserving players in the NL, but it seemed like he went on a big hot streak at the beginning of the year, but I'm not sure how much that, uh, you know, that continued throughout the end of the season. So the two favorites for the National League right now are, it's actually, they're both Cardinals. It's Goldschmidt and then Arenado's second. Ooh. <laughs> I think that they lead. They definitely know they might. They're, they're one and two in war. Um, they're both really good. They're both really good defenders for one thing. So that's that also pumps up that. But yeah, um, I mean, they, the other night, man, Arenado had a big one by him. Do you guys see that when they had their collapse against the Phillies? Yeah, that was. I I couldn't believe that. That was crazy. I don't know if he got crossed up or what the problem was there, but that right. that was pretty bad. Nick, I didn't mean to cut you off if you have. No, it's all good. I didn't really know who the other candidates were. Um, I, I didn't have a suggestion. That just seemed not as deserving or exciting as the Aaron Judge and Shohei talk. It really isn't. You're not wrong on that. Um, I'll, I'll continue kind of leading us through. I had just one more I wanted to point out, the NL Rookie of the Year. I love Michael Harris. I wish I could keep him, but – Man, I the buzz around Spencer Strider this year, not just for fantasy, but in real life. I feel like whenever he took the mound, he was must see. Like you were just pegged to tune in. And I, I feel like he sh there should be an award for that. And I know that, you know, player uh, or pitchers don't typically get the AL or NL Rookie of the Year um, or anything outside the Cy Young Award, but I kind of wish he would be more in that conversation. I'm sure he might be, but I would. I would vote for Spencer Strider over Michael Harris, and I love Michael Harris. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, for what it's worth, Strider was the favorite up until he hurt his oblique and he was uh, out the last couple weeks. But I think even despite that, I would still give it to him for as good for as good and uh, essential to the Braves as Harris has been. Um, I mean, you could argue that Strider has been just as impactful. So I, I agree with you there. Um, Jerwin, did you have any discrepancies with any of the uh, consensus award favorites? Uh, no, I absolutely agree with Nick's points about Aaron Judge. I was also like big, like you can't you can't out MVP Shohei Otani. He's literally two players. I think I think technically speaking, he is more valuable because he is one person doing two things but I, I think i've said it before like if you're not gonna give it to aaron judge this year over shohei otani you're not gonna get it give it to anyone over any season that they have unless it's another shohei otani 
Speaking of Aaron Judge, um, he did get to 62 home runs. Do we regard him as the home run king, as some baseball writers have said? No, I don't. I I don't either, really. I, I find the... I'm glad I don't have social media because I, if I had to see people fighting over this, like it's just too much. Like he, he hit a lot of home runs. Good. Barry Bonds hit so many home runs, so many, so many home runs. Yeah. I am firmly in the camp that Barry Bonds is the home run King. Um, sorry, but it's, that's how math works. Um, kind of to me baseball lost its leg to stand on with the all steroids thing as soon as they started letting steroid users into the hall of fame uh now it seems like they just pick and choose who they apply that uh apply the steroid user title to um we can vilify bonds but we uh and i'm not really like a bonds guy like he was a jerk and i didn't really like him but like we can't really pick and choose who we apply that to. And we've already let some steroid users into the hall of fame. Uh, David Ortiz, Pudge Rodriguez, they both were named on the same report that bonds was. Um, so yeah, I, sorry, judges the American league. Like it's great that he has the record, but, um, sorry, bonds is the home run King. That's just the way it is. Uh, we can, yeah, not even just comparing me. bonds. I feel like there's others that would just, better at hitting the long ball steroids or no steroids. I mean, I loved, I was a Sammy Sosa fan, but that's those summers, him and McGuire were just amazing year after year. They had just crank out. I mean, over 50 home runs, it seemed like with no, no problem with ease. Uh, though I was excited to watch judge uh, break Roger Maris's record, you know, one VHS tape, whenever we had VHS tapes, one, one I did have was the Roger Maris story. So I was always aware of that story him hitting 61, I thought it was really cool to see Judge break it. So it definitely is an accomplishment, but he's not the home run king. That brings us to the moment that I'm sure everyone listening is waiting for. That is the draft order reveal. So this is a lottery, as everybody knows. Um, so fourth place, that is Nate. He's going to get 20% odds. Everybody else who made the playoffs, fifth through eighth, gets 13% odds. And then that leaves ninth through 12th with 7% odds. So here's what's happening. So uh, we are going to do this lottery here right now. Um, I'm going to share my screen where I have the draft pick lottery already pulled up. And uh, I have the number of balls for each team, number of virtual ping pong balls already loaded, rocked and ready to go. Uh, so I have to ask first, Jerwin and Nick, can you see my screen? Yes. Yes, I can. Are the fake ping pong balls correct? I think so. <laughs> the answer is yes. So here we go. As we know, uh, the last three spots are locked. Um, so that means Nick will be picking 12th once again. Jordan, since he came in second, will pick 11th. And Sam, as the third place team, will be picking 10th. So 
Here we go. Drum roll, please. Starting from the back, pick number nine, Courtney. Pick number eight, Jerwin. Oof. Pick number seven, Brendan. Pick number six, Mike. Pick number five, Eddie. Pick number four, Nate. Pick number three, me. Pick number two, Scott, which leaves pick number one, JC as the top over for next year. Just to read it off, we have pick number one, JC, number two, Scott. Three is me, Nate is four, Eddie is five, Mike is six, Brennan is seven, Darwin is eight, Courtney is ninth. That is all for our lottery. Honestly, this I, I'm happy I didn't get the first pick, but I would have liked to be a little further towards the back or the middle, I think, personally. Sure, what are you feeling? I heard an audible oof from you um, about your pick position. Uh, well, I, I wanted to be closer to the front, but I mean, I, I guess I'm in a spot that you prefer, so... Maybe maybe this is, will be good for me. Uh, a couple takes takeaways. One, correctly got JC number one pick overall. I will take about whatever, that? Whatever half quarter point, I'll take whatever. Literally anything. I'm dying over here. <laughs> uh, second takeaway: Brendan and I getting our rivalry year started off right. We'll be sniping each other back and forth all draft long. That's how. That's what you want to see. They definitely have to see that. You know who's the big winner here is Courtney because she had already had it in her head that she was keeping Aaron Judge. He's a first round pick. That is pretty good. Yeah. He wanted to be picking towards the back. No, no, Jake, I'm the big winner here. I have had success two years out of two years. And for the third year in a row, I'm picking from the 12th spot. It's never changed. <laughs> that is true. I forgot you picked from the 12th from the 12th spot your first year. So that is our draft order. Um, I hope everybody is happy with their with their spot. Um, so I'm going to turn it back to you guys. Normally, I would we're gonna, we would wrap up with any final thoughts, but um, I'm going to direct you on what to give your final thoughts about. Um, now that we see the draft order, and we we've, we've kind of reviewed the comeback meter, we've seen the divisions, we sort of know who is in everybody's keepers or everybody's keeper pools, and that's really all the information we need to make this pick. Who do you think will be the East division winner and the West division winner? And then I'm going to have you pick an overall winner as well. Um, Nick, as the defending champion, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'll go with West first. Am I, am I echoing? You might be, uh, you're probably fine, but we'll just keep going because okay. things in one takes. So, sorry. Uh, I'll go with West. I'm going to stick to, my gut pick of Scott. Uh, I think he might come in and have a hot year next year. Um, Jerilyn, you're a close second, but I'm going to choose Scott for the West. I'm tempted to choose my team since I have no reason to pick it otherwise, but I will, I think oftentimes in segments like these, Nate gets a lot of love and I'll show him some love. I'll choose Nate. Jerwin, gaze into your crystal ball. Who is who is the division winners for next year? Or who are the division winners for next year? 
Um, I'm going to go with the, the pick that the people want for the West, which is, well, the pick that I want, I'm going to pick myself to win the West, but the pick that the people want is that my second is, is Brendan. I think we're going to go down to the wire and really give, give everyone a good show in the West. Um, but then my pick for the East, hmm, I, I'm going to go with Nate as well. I think he's got a, a good keeper pool for someone who is going for a championship. Um, and he always, he always puts together a good, a good squad. So that's, that's where I'm going. I guess I, I'll, I don't want to give the same picks as everybody else. So I'm going to go a little, I'll pick, I'll pick Brendan as the West division winner. Boo. Um, all that, you know what? No, I can't do that because I already said earlier in the episode, I was picking Jerwin. So I have to pick Jerwin now. Ha-ha. Yes. Um, so yeah, Jerwin will be the West winner. And I think that the, I know that we've all picked him, but I think that the, you can only be so close and not get over the hump for so long. So I think that the, uh, the seven, would it be seven years at this point? The seven years of suffering will end of playoff suffering will end for Nate next year. And I'm going to lead us into our next segment. I'm not only picking that Nate will win the division because he has done that before. Just this past year, actually. He will finally take home the trophy. Finally get the, finally, finally the suffering will end. He will end the year with a victory. Nate will be the 2023 Low expectations league champion. I'll throw it back to you guys because I, st- I still need your champion picks. But I'm going with Nate. Can only be that close for so long. And I think next year he's going to get over the hump at long last. You go ahead, Nick. Okay. I'm going to stop giving Nate so much love. I was thinking about picking him, but I'll say this at least for Nate. I play with him in three fantasy baseball teams. I have not seen him win a league yet. I believe of those three, he's going to win one next year. So I think he'll get it done for at least one of those. But to be different, I'm going to choose the underdog in Scott and say Scott will win it all next year. And I don't like, I don't like saying other people are going to win and not choosing myself because <laughs> I believe I'm going to win, but I'll, I won't do that. I'll choose Scott. Ah. Uh calling me out okay fine (laughs) that's a spicy pick though i like it i am obviously going to pick myself because again my identity that's who i am but i i do want to say also i do have one final thought other than picking myself to win it next year it's gone unmentioned since the playoffs but the guests absolutely destroyed the matchup prediction record this year, it it needs to be said. I want to make sure everyone knows the guests did indeed rule the day. So get wrecked, Jake and Nate. That wasn't oof, but I don't think you actually gave a pick unless you picked yourself and I just didn't notice. I, I said it like two or three times. Yes. I, okay, I so I just didn't notice. <laughs> All right. I any final final thoughts because this, this is it. This is all for the year before we 
the podcast goes into uh, into hibernation. We and we don't uh, we don't discuss fantasy baseball again until uh, next March. Is that it? Probably. And we uh, so th- this is any any final thoughts, final uh, any grievances, anything you need to get off your chest, baseball related. Speak now or hold your peace until March. Nope, no grievance. I'm enjoying this year, Jake. Three for three, baby. Uh, everyone has a grievance against me. I'll just say I moved Julio Rodriguez up to number four on my keeper ranking, so it's better now. You're welcome. He looked really good today. Yeah. He certainly did. So that is it. It is done. It is finished. The uh, baseball season is over. Congratulations again to Nick for another championship. Eventually, he will lose in the playoffs. I have to believe that. Um, we got all we got we got all do our best next year to uh, make sure that we don't have a three-time champion, except for Nick. I'll actually do your best to make sure that that also happens. <laughs> we would appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. But that's all for us. Um, thanks again, Jerwin, for filling in. Thanks to Nate for doing the legwork for the for the uh, first half and for most of the podcasts um, when we were on together he would do the itinerary so I'm having to have done it for most of the time lately I know how much of a commitment that is so big thanks to Nate for the time and effort he puts in thanks to Eddie because this podcast would not exist without him like really we don't know how to edit like the one time that. He wasn't in. I sent out the podcast as audio clips and I faked going to commercial. So that's what the state of the podcast would be without Eddie. So big thanks to Eddie for all that he does. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you next year. 